0: This is Cliffcentral.com
1: Here's a powerful thing. I mean, it's got a lot of firepower. If you can figure out a way to wrestle that fear, to push you from behind rather than stand in front of you, that's very powerful.
0: Multiplying leadership, moving society the millennial way. You don't want to end up going after goals and dreams and neglect yourself. Welcome to the Youth Leadership Platform with your host, Bongani Dao.
2: Gotham,
3: take control. Take control of your city. This is the instrument of your liberation.
2: See, old friend, I brought more soldiers than you did.
0: Identify yourself to the world Youth Leadership Platform Alright, um, welcome to the Youth Leadership Platform with your host, Bongani Tau uh, We're in the building again and we are doing amazing things with amazing guests uh, Today's guest, um, guest rather, uh, promises um, to bring us <laughs> a lot of insight into the hashtag Tumamina campaign that is, um, ran obviously by, uh, the ANC under the leadership of, uh, President, uh, Cyril Ramaphosa. And today's guest is, uh, a well-esteemed, powerful, um, I- I'd say young woman, <laughs> but, she is a woman of no small reputation. She is a member of uh, Parliament in the National Council of uh, Provinces and the Provincial Whip of Gauteng and Whip of Finance and Appropriation uh, Committees. And this is Tez Neem Mutara. Welcome to the show.
3: Hi, Bongani. How are you?
0: Thank you so much for for coming to the show. I'm well. I'm well.
3: Thanks for having me. Uh,
0: besides besides the flu, which is something you can get over, I think I'm I'm, I'm doing all right. Yeah. So hashtag tumamina is in is in full swing. You are part of one of the biggest uh, political parties in South Africa shaping and moving the country there's there 's a lot of commotion <laughs> that 's going on in the country currently um, so we 're going to have uh, i guess a, a a youth leadership glimpse on 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 the uh, the current Current affairs and and the political climate uh, within the South African context. But before then, I'd I'd love for our listeners to get a insight of who is, um, Tasneem. So if we, you can take us to the younger, um, the younger version version of, of of you. Yeah. Who was she? Where did she grow up? And what were, what, what were her, some of her aspirations in life?
3: Well, um, I'm, Yes, I'm, I'm young, but I'm not youth. I'm 35 (laughs) years old. Um, I am the second youngest member of the, of the ANC in parliament. Younger than me is Mdu Manana.
0: Oh,
2: okay.
3: Yeah, he's a year younger than me. Um, well, I grew up and still live in Benoni on the East End. Yes, I love it. So I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to leave anytime soon.
0: You sad.
3: I love it. I mean, it's a nice place to grow up in. Um, lived there all my life, went to school there. Um, I went to, I finished school at Benoni High School. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yes. Um, primary, where then, did you go? Uh, I went to two primary schools, Benoni West primary. Okay. And St. Dominic's for girls. Oh, okay. Yes. So, um, you can tell education was a very, uh, Strong point for my parents They sure. looked for What you can coin as Good schools um, Within
0: In and around Benoni Yes, yes.
3: Okay. So we went to Relatively good schools I grew up in a big family We five siblings uh, So our friends were, were each other That sort of thing I've grew up with extremely strict parents <laughs> uh,
0: so, so yeah. that, that must have reflected on your report card
3: possibly straight A's yes, nothing less yeah never got into trouble never punked school never did any of those teenage things <laughs> I missed out on those I, I think I was just too petrified of my parents but, but
0: is that a good or a bad thing I think it's a Are good thing I'm glad oh, I, okay, am. Okay. I am I
3: uh, am because when I started exploring and doing things I was more mature and could oh, decide for myself, yeah. What so what you
0: want and what you don't want, it definitely. But didn't it have an impact on on that? Because then at this point, you you sort of having a reflective experience of what teenage uh, years would have given you.
3: No, look, I I wasn't um, detached from what was happening oh, around okay, me. Okay, yes. Okay. Uh, I mean, I had friends at school, you know. And, yeah. Yeah, so I wasn't detached from what was happening around me. It's just that I was too petrified to do it myself. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was just. Uh, I always had images of my mom and my dad like slaughtering me, killing like, <laughs> me alive. Really? So I just, yeah. So I just <laughs> never.
0: That's intense.
3: Yeah, they they were quite strict. Um It never happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just had images of it of the possibility. So um, so that's where I grew up. I did a lot of extracurricular activities. I played tennis. I. Was a drum major, um, Yeah, okay. so, um, yeah, was that's what I did. Um, I played chess for the school. Mm-hmm. Um, are oh, you good at chess? B- oh, yeah, I am. Could you
0: could you take me down? Well, that's relative. Relative, yeah.
3: <laughs> I know I probably couldn't beat the former president Jacob Zuma. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, probably not. But I mean, I could give you a. Run oh, for is him, he that man. good? Apparently, he's a maestro at the chess game. Oh, so. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, so. That's, um, and I mean, I still live there. My family still lives in in Benoni, my immediate family.
0: So what what were your aspirations growing up in in Benoni? So growing up, um,
3: yeah, I think my ideas of what life should look like um, and like social problems and social ills and that sort of thing really came to the fore for me once I left school. Okay. Um, When you forced sort of to um, interact with society at a broader level. Sure. Um, You know, school environment can be closed somewhat Mm -hmm. Um, Although you come from different backgrounds The school environment sort of protects you So being forced to live now outside a a very protected environment Makes you see um, things that your peers go through, for instance Mm -hmm. I remember during the election campaign of oh sure i mustn't get this wrong two thousand and five it was Tabumbeki's second okay um, yeah second election um second term of office uh we had arranged to go to modby prison okay um to to Electoral campaigning and to get inmates to register and that sort of thing. So
0: already from that level, you were involved with. I was, yes. The political party. Interesting. Um, okay.
3: So we went there and I I met a, uh, an inmate who was a student with me at primary school. Hmm. And I think that that was like quite shocking. He was um, serving time for credit card fraud. Sheesh. So he had studied finished school, um gone to university. I think he worked for one of the big banks, um obviously one of the big banks I can't remember which sure um, but he was involved in credit card fraud, and he was serving time for it mm-hmm. and It just showed that you know you can go to school with somebody um but where you end up is basically a, yes, it's choices Because uh, I don't think he was forced into credit card fraud, I, yeah, and yeah. also don't think you have you must be. You have to have some level of brain matter to engage to in something. To, yeah. yeah to especially, especially in a work environment. Cause I mean, you use the, the work environment.
0: But now were you thinking about being within, you know, having a, a bigger role within the political party itself or having a, a career outside of that, just participating, but something outside of uh, politics?
3: Well, I grew up in a very political home, mm-hmm. very, my parents, I mean, are still politically active. Sure. My dad is a local government councillor, has been for, I think, three or four terms now. I can't even remember. Oh, okay. So, so growing up, um, all I knew was the ANC. Sure.
2: Um,
3: and to some extent, I, I had a sort of negative view of the ANC because it kept my parents away from home. Oh, okay. So I knew that, um, you know, I, I just don't want to be involved in politics. I'll vote if I have to vote, but just to be, because I don't want to do that to my kids. <laughs> you know, my life mustn't be consumed sure, by it. So, sure. so for a while, I sort of like stayed away from it, was quite averse to it. Until, um, yeah, you know, when you resist something for long enough, it sort of like pulls you in anyway. Yeah. And I got pulled in anyway. Um, I remember it was at a time in Benoni when they were establishing youth league structures. Okay. And they were looking for like, um, young people who could be involved in establishing youth league structures. So my sisters got involved, my sure. two younger sisters, they got involved. And then I joined the, the mother body, the ANC. Sure. So they led me in the youth league and then the ANC, they went off to, my sisters went off to varsity, continued with student politics there. The ANC then, um, deployed me to go and reestablish youth league structures in Bilbao. Um, which I did. Yeah. Quite successfully. Um, yeah. And then the political bug just (laughs) spit. And
0: (laughs) And you're like, yeah, that's it. it, Yeah. So I
3: I think, um, To be in representative public space was not really something that I was working towards. I think I just enjoyed working in the ANC, um, working in the structures, um, using the ANC to serve the community, that sort of things. Um, The opportunity to serve in parliament came in 2014. Mm -hmm. I was a member of the Provincial Executive Committee of the ANC Youth League. And through that process, I was nominated into... The ANC's list process. Sure. Um, but I remember, um, thinking very little of it. Um, I was like quite low on the list. Um, (laughs) but I mean, I was for me just making it on the list was was like a great achievement. I was like, yo, it was just amazing (laughs) just to see your name published on the list was good enough for me. So we continued with election work. Um, I remember I had to vote. As an early voter, because I was representing South Africa at United nations mm-hmm. um, at united nations youth um, it was the process of the the development goals the to the sustainable sustainable development goals okay. that we have now sure um, so I was representing South Africa at u n youth and it was at Sri Lanka um and we were leaving the day uh the day before elections so i had to register as a special voter Because sure. so i was going to be out of the country i registered i voted and left and then we were watching the the voting results from sure. sri lanka and they were so scary <laughs> man they were they were shocking for the anc especially yeah um and i was on the provincial list um, so I think I was more worried about people who were in the legislature, who were not going to make it back. And, you know, you know, a lot of them thinking, oh, the NC is just like lost so many seats. Sure. Sure. I came back from Sri Lanka, went to work. Um, and then I got a call from the now premier David Makura at okay. the time he was the provincial secretary of the okay, NC. Sure. And he called me to come and see me at his office. And I thought, ah. Oh, he probably wants to like say, okay, uh, you didn't make it. And, and I thought, <laughs> and I thought, okay, there's no, there's no need really, you know. You I'm can fine. just tell me
0: over the phone or yeah, email, like, I'm fine, You know, you sure. don't have
3: to do this whole emotional thing. I'm cool. Sure. And he called me. I went to his office and then he told me, you better, um, resign immediately. You're going to Cape Town and, uh, you, we're sending you to represent Gauteng in the National Council of Provinces. Wow. Yeah. And that's how quick it happened. So I resigned, went home. I remember having to buy a dress, <laughs> something formal to wear. Sure, sure. And I had to leave to Cape Town to be sworn in later that week.
0: Hmm. And how has the experience been? So how has the experience been after mm-hmm. that as well? What are your key responsibilities in that uh, portfolio?
3: Well, I think for me now, the, the biggest, the biggest change has been the fact that, um, now I I think I know that every day regardless of wh- whatever I do every day has a direct impact on more people. Okay. Um so I I'm in the finance and appropriations committees. So whether it's oversight whether it's um approving the budget. Sure. I know that somebody's life is impacted and probably somebody I'm never going to meet. Um so working in ANC structures meant that I worked with NC members okay a lot of the time and it's people that you know people that you you serve with on an ongoing basis and the space is smaller than in representative politics mm-hmm. um so that was that's 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 always at the, the the top of my mind sure knowing that whatever i do every day um, somebody's life is going to be impacted mm-hmm. and of course it's up to me whether i impact that life positively or negatively sure. so i'm always conscious of that um so, so I guess, uh, it's more, um, it's a greater responsibility. Um, and, and I take that as just, not just a privilege, but, um, like that responsibility has to be taken seriously. Sure. Um, so that, that is the big difference really mm-hmm. from just serving in a political party, making sure the political party grows. Remains, um, wins elections to now, um, putting into action what the political party has said. Well,
0: so, and then what, what is the responsibility of a chief whip?
3: Okay. So in the National Council of Provinces, uh, we are nine, the nine provinces are mm-hmm. represented there and each province is, each provincial delegation is led by a whip, provincial whip. Okay. Um, so you have the chief whip of the end of, Council, who is a whip of all members, but each province has got a whip that leads the delegation. Sure. Is a link between what happens in parliament and the provincial legislatures. Oh, okay. Um, so I liaise with the provincial le- legislature on an ongoing basis on a number of issues, whether it's, um, laws that we are passing, legislation, mm-hmm. whether it's input into legislation, programs in provinces, issues that the legislature wants to be raised at a national level. So for instance, a few years ago, it was actually the term before I joined parliament, um, the issue of um, acid mine drainage in the West Rand, okay. which is what is a national competence and for national government to be able to address that issue, it had to go through a process, um, that fed into the National Council of Provinces. So it mm-hmm. became a national issue, um, through the legislature and then the National Council of Provinces. Otherwise, you find that a lot of things that are supposed to be taken over by national government doesn't really because they, 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 they remain within, within the legislatures. Mm. And there are a number of other examples, um, but the, Acid mine drainage is probably one of the most recent, especially for hunting.
0: Hmm. And you, so, you you also involved in a lot of uh, youth leadership uh, programs that run. I'm I'm of mind that a month or so ago, you were in France, uh, in in in, 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 in a, engaged mm-hmm. in in one such uh, program. Take us through that. Uh, what's 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 entailed there? Okay, so and what French, are the objectives? Yeah,
3: well? the French government. What they do is um, every year they identify future leaders. Across the world um to participate in the f- future leader program in france
0: what well, what's the criteria do you know
3: um no they just there's no specific criteria okay. the it's through um diplomatic channels so the, the 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 embassies in a country uh would sort of watch um keep their ear on the ground and look to see who are young and upcoming uh, future leaders sure. in that country mm-hmm. and then what they do is they nominate you um to the French government um and motivate as to why you they think this person should participate mm, mm. um so they have uh, i think approximately 80 participants per year but they come from all over um i know Lindiwe Mazibuko was one okay a few okay obviously years a few ago. years ago <laughs> when she was still a <laughs> member of parliament yes and um there have been other there have been other south africans that have been part of the of the of the program what it entails is you give them a f- your focus areas okay. and areas that you are currently or futuristically looking at okay um and then they 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 set up panels they set up um interviews meetings with very high level relevant people in the different sectors that oh, you're interesting. interested in hmm. yeah, so that's what it was, and my my interests really are. Um, on the, on the fourth industrial revolution.
0: Okay. Let's, 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 let's discuss that.
3: Yeah. So, um, my, my interests in in relation to the fourth industrial revolution is how will it change or affect or impact governance? Okay. Um, and how is it going to affect or impact democracy? Sure. So for instance, um, we now, uh, okay, for instance, I'm now a member of the Constitutional Review Committee. We're going around the country um discussing uh, and looking for views around the Section 25 of the Constitution, amending or not. Okay. So it is a person-to-person process. Uh, we've had in excess of 500,000 written submissions. Okay. Um, and then on any given day, we listen to two hundred um submissions, personal submissions now, if you take into consideration the fourth industrial revolution, it's going to change how societies or communities interact with legislators okay um you don't have to do a face to face um In- interview interaction. or
0: interaction, sure
3: definitely. Um, you can get real-time responses on service delivery issues, which in some places is happening, where the government is at a level to respond
0: mm-hmm. as
3: quick as people are able to send to in the request, send or complain or register the issues. Sure, is 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 what we need to 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 answer. So, what are the types of what are the what are the types of skills that government must recruit to be able to respond to citizens who are actively participating in a society um, channeled by the fourth industrial revolution.
2: Hmm.
3: Democracies, how is it going to change democracies? Is there going to be um, a need for public representatives or parliament as an institution, the way we see today? Hmm. Um, So... If you look back in like real way back when history, you had monarchs. Sure. Uh, which don't really serve a purpose um, today. Today, yeah. Yeah. They ceremonial. They, you know, they're there. Whether they're not there.
0: It's this, a, it doesn't make any difference. It doesn't. The sure. state
3: continues. Um, you have multilateral institutions, which don't necessarily play a big Role in in terms of what they should be doing, will the fourth industrial re- revolution change that? Hmm. Will it make states um, as independent entities, the way we understand them now, mm-hmm. irrelevant?
2: Mm-hmm. And
3: will multine- multilateral institutions become the new world order, the new state, as we understand it, for regulating how people work, um, how people live, hmm. because. <coughs> Excuse me Sure Because if you The monarchs did that Regulated our people How societies operate States do that now And multilateral organizations Are really just a platform for engagement Um, Is the fourth industrial revolution Going to force multilaterals To be more um, active Instead of just uh, an engagement platform hmm. So, how is democracy going to change? And then, um, and the, the, the last aspect that I looked at sure. on the fourth industrial revolution is, of course, um, youth and how they, how societies or how, how governments, whether they are or aren't, um, reading society and young people to be able to, to engage, uh, fruitfully. Sure. Yeah. So, um, I mean, our school, our school systems are still very rigid. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go to school at eight, you come out, at three, come out at three, you have two lunch breaks. Um, and that's not necessarily the way it should
2: actually it should be. work. Sure.
3: You know, I mean, I visited a, a business hub, um, an incubation hub in France. Okay. Nobody has an office. Interesting. Um, People just sort of sit wherever, do their work. Uh, it's free. It's, um, it's, it's not, there's structure, but it's not the structure that you, that we've become accustomed to. Yeah. Um, so the, the new, um, the new face of a working environment, um, has to be, has to feed into the new face of a school environment as well. Because you can't, I mean, that's why people, um when you've gone to school for 12 years, you sat behind a desk next to the window for 12 years. <laughs> <laughs> Automatically, you're going to think that the best job is behind it's, a it's desk. behind a desk, yeah. In my office. That's what you're going to think. Sure, sure. Because you've, I mean, for 12 years, you've been conditioned that way to mm, think that mm. this is, this is success. Mm. This is a sign of, of um Of me doing well. Mm. Um, And it's not, it's not necessarily the case. I mean, you can, you can, um, the fourth industrial revolution really speaks to uh, the productivity of people. Okay. You know, so you've got to create spaces and environments and um, uh, structures and support for for, for, for real productivity out of mm-hmm. people.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and I don't think, definitely not in South Africa and Africa as a whole, but I don't think we're there yet creating oppor- uh, opportunities for, for pure productivity. I mean, you can be productive in three hours as a, of, in a day as to opposed to working six hours, hours, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, f- you're just not productive, uh, but I'm getting many work hours out of you. And
0: and then you're just claiming a lot of money as well. Exactly. What, what, what were some of your experiences um, with Jacob Zuma before we move into Cyril Ramaphosa and the current campaign that's currently going on?
3: Okay, well, uh, let me say, okay, I don't have personal experiences with him. Um, just really work related, ANC related. I think I said it even in an interview in France. Sure. And I said that South Africa is a very is not it's not a nation state. Okay. So it's a very dynamic place. Each individual identifies with leaders based on um, a number of aspects.
0: Sure, personal to them. Personal to them. Sure, which makes it, it very difficult, right?
3: Exactly, it makes it very difficult to find one. Um, sort of central figure that people can Rally around sure. because some Others are just not going to identify With that person they'd rather identify With somebody completely opposite
2: mm-hmm.
3: And that's re- it's really because Look South, like I say South Africa is not a nation state It's a it's a secular State yes so it's it doesn't Have religion as the basis of Identity either mm-hmm. Um So you've got uh, So you've got a whole mixed pot That people want to relate to And I said that if we, if, if we ignore the fact that Jacob Zuma is a, a leader to many, many South African people, the ANC will, um, it will be to the, the ANC's detriment. Okay. Um, and, but in the same way, the ANC has to, I, has to accept and I, and realize that many, many people within the ANC leaders in their own right Mm. Um, and find ways of harnessing that in a collective way to be able to draw um, ordinary South Africans that support and are followed by them. Um, So I think it does have a role to play um, in terms of balancing uh, the support base of the ANC uh, we've always, I mean, we've seen the ANC support base shift
0: sure. in terms of class. Some, some capital states as well. Definitely. Metropolitan cities. Exactly. Sure.
3: You know, Um metropolitans are even more, more difficult to, to really get the, the flavor of what it, what they want
0: what what i found interesting is um i think Kerry Morgan from mm-hmm. ENCA tweeted once and and and, and she said something uh, along the lines of i'll be delivering an address uh to a group of students mm-hmm. and i'll be speaking about um what um she 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 spoke about yeah some things that would have would have had or had negative mm-hmm. impact on the country mm-hmm. and then she goes on to say the former president mm-hmm. is not one of them. But I'm like, this person is from an organization and a media platform yes. that has spent the last nine years really preaching one narrative mm-hmm. about the man. Fetifying and then, him. exactly, exactly. And then to, 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 to come out and then tweet something like that. What are your thoughts on that?
3: Look, I, I did see the tweet actually, and I thought, um, well, the ANC, possibly not only the ANC. I think governments as a whole across the world, mm-hmm. wherever I've travelled, I mean I've heard this, have a love-hate relationship with the media mm-hmm. as a whole.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I'm sure if you spoke to Donald Trump, he would.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but he's a troll. <laughs> well, you a would, yeah, you
3: would. You would. You would give you his his real <laughs> opinion about the media. I think um if you understand. Simplistically that the media is about um it's it's
0: sensation, maybe?
3: Not even sensation, it's an enterprise. Okay. So it's about the bottom line. Sure. And really simplistically, um I don't think good stories sell. okay. But that's being really simplistic, sure, you know? Sure. And, um, there's always been an argument about what is the role of media in a democracy? What is the, you know, that sort of thing? And I think even the media itself is struggling to, to, to answer that. What should our role be? I think if you look at, if you look at, um, mainstream journalists today, uh, there's nothing they can say without adding Jacob Zuma somewhere (laughs) in the headline, even if it's, (laughs) So not related To him Definitely You know Somehow they've got to Throw the man's name in Just so they stay relevant, you know,
0: and and selling, I guess.
3: Yeah, selling those headlines sell that sort of thing.
0: Well, in any case, moving along to Cyril um, Ramaphosa, he came in, um, I guess guns blazing. There's a lot of media coverage about how he's tightening mm. uh, the grip on power. You know, I guess he 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 comes in as a national <laughs> favourite. Even mm-hmm. even a lot of media seems to be rallying uh, behind him, and he he's coined his campaign uh, Tumamina. Mm-hmm. One of the things. That have come transitioning from Jacob Zuma to Cyril Ramaphosa is the promise of free education. How is that structured to be sustainable um, over the years? Because there were discussions around how that's not feasible in today's economy. Where are we going to harvest the money to be able to finance uh, such a system or program?
3: Mm. Okay, nothing in the world is really ever free. Sure, you know I think, and that's what we all have to understand. Um, as South Africans. So if we, we move together from, from that angle, I think you'll be, we'll, as a nation, we'll be able to accept it will be free for some, but nothing is ever really free. Okay. Um, whether it's sustainable or not, uh, I think, personally, I do think it's sustainable. Okay. I think, sorry, mm.
0: just to, 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 to come in there, Mm. who is it free for?
3: Okay. So we have what in South Africa is called missing middle. Okay. Um, it's people that just don't earn enough or they earn too much. So they're Mm, in a gap. mm, They, mm, they don't mm. earn enough to, uh, sustain their lives or to get a bond or to, you know, those types of things. Sure. But they earn too much to be. To be considered, um, indigent. Sure. You know, uh, be, be, so, so we have, we've created this big bulge, a balloon of, of, of that in South Africa. So it's, it's meant to be free for, for them. And then of course the poor. Okay. So I think it is sustainable. I do, however, and I think, um, yeah, I'm going to be quite controversial and say <laughs> that there are some, Decisions that the ANC has taken That is not sustainable One of them could be free housing Okay It's a moving target um, we'll, I don't think we'll ever get to a point Where we've housed everybody um, Who needs to be housed for free It's just not sustainable Sure. So there are some things As a programmatic That the ANC has engaged in mm-hmm. That need to be re-looked at and have to be stopped hmm. in order to pay for something that has more longevity and is more sustainable mm-hmm. and can give back to society. Because if a person has a free house, more than likely rates are free, uh, services are free. sure, um, And without saying it's a burden to the state, but... That the state looks after that person in totality. Mm-hmm. And so it's a huge cost to the state. Now you want a cost to the state to be a forward, um, investment. So it's fine for the state to, 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 to derive cost today. But if there's a future benefit and investment from that, from that, yeah. why not? Okay. And I think the ANC has to now make some really really tough decisions and say, whatever we're spending on, whatever we are investing in, there must be a return on investment in the future.
2: Hmm.
3: And that's why I think education, free education is sustainable, um, but it must come at the at, at a cost of cutting other things that are just not.
0: So is, it's, is that probably... Part of the explanation for the one percent increase in, in VAT.
3: Sure. Okay. The one percent increase in VAT. Okay. From a purely financial perspective, sure. yeah. Sure. Because I think some of these things, um, of course, the decisions that politicians make up are politicized. Sure. But from a purely financial perspective, governments um, have few, um, few bases of, of, of income. Okay. So it's tax, revenues, um, it's it's trade tax, um basically it's, it's it's your basket of taxes. Sure. So whether it's trade revenue, personal income tax, company tax, that sort of thing, that's that's the base that that government must work at. And I think um it's definitely it's 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 a regressive tax. VAT is regressive. Mm-hmm. Um, because it pushes the prices of everything up. Um, the cost of living goes up exponentially. Food, traveling, the cost of transporting food and that sort of thing goes sure. up. Sure. So it is regressive. But the fact of the matter is that South Africa is at, uh, is at a stagnant growth rate. Okay. So we've reached the limit of growth. And that is our problem.
0: So we're at? Had- um Break even. We're making enough that's just it. to we, sustain that's everything it. that's currently going on. And
3: the fact is that if we don't increase our tax base, we're going to sit with this problem perpetually.
0: Petrol hikes. <laughs> yeah,
3: the pain of everyone's existence. The, you know, you know, definitely, you know, you know, you know. It's uh, it's. I think for look, um, the Parliament is. There is a process now With parliament going to look at How the, 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 the Our fuel prices um, Are determined
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, so, so remember that Our fuel price is determined By a number of Different parts That make up a fuel price per liter So you have the road accident fund You have the fuel levy You have the price of um, uh, Fuel per barrel Against the dollar And that sort of thing Mm-hmm Things that we can't control um, we, we will be unfortunate. We just can't control them, like the price of um, Brent crude against the dollar. But things that we can control, we should control in the interests of South Africans. Sure. And I think, um, you know, it's an argument that we have. And I remember even when I was in the provincial executive of the Youth League, we were fighting the introduction of ETOLs back then. Sure, sure. And we said that the etos are fine. It's great. In fact, you know, extend the roads, make them beautiful. It's a pleasure to drive from the east end where I live to Pretoria. Now, it is, uh, but there's no alternative. I don't have a choice of getting into um, public transport. I don't have a choice of um, using a cheaper alternative. Sure. If I want to drive get from Benoni to Pretoria, I have to get in my car and drive. Sure. So it's, 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 it's that, that, those are the problems.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So it's fine to introduce, um, high fuel price, but you're not giving anybody an alternative in terms of public transport, in terms of, uh, for instance, we, 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 we import so much. Sure. Um, instead of locally cultivating, growing, producing, because when you grow produce manufacture locally you drive pr- prices down
2: mm-hmm.
3: if you are importing really simple things the prices are going to stay up and then to sustain that you've got to increase everything
0: so it's a manipulation of selfish that's not circle. state owned to it is kind of help the state to, to and it's a functional. vicious
3: it's a vicious circle so um you know you're not you we we doing things because they urgent yeah, they have to be done,
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, but the long term ill effects of those um, are going to be detrimental.
0: Okay, mm. interesting. Entrepreneurship. Well, before we get into that, mm-hmm. the youth unemployment rate in, in South Africa is at a staggering um, about what forty percent, mm-hmm. plus minus give or take, and it's it's very alarming. There mm-hmm. was a point in time where teachers would say to students, "You need a good degree to get a good job." but now we see a lot of youth with Mm -hmm. good degrees, good education and skills as well, but without jobs. Mm -hmm. What's, what's, what's the plan?
3: Um, okay. I'm also going to be controversial (laughs) and say that a lot of, we have to look at a lot of our labor laws. Sure. Um, you know, uh, you would have, if you want the economy to grow, uh, you've got to please the growers of the economy. Okay. Uh, Of course, without, um, with, without, um, taking away rights of workers and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So, so, so the labor, the, 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 the market has said that our labor laws are too rigid. So people are almost afraid to employ. Uh, because you employ somebody, workers have more rights than an employer. Sure. Yet it's a cost to the employer. So those are some of the things that we've got to look at. Um, you want to create favorable conditions for employers to go out and do exactly that, which is to employ. Sure. Um, and I think that's, that's, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. If we don't grow our tax base, uh, we're going to be stuck in this, in this rut. So growing your tax base means having more people employed. I don't buy into the narrative that says that there are no jobs or that the job market is saturated. Um, I think the job market isn't saturated, uh, but I just think that there isn't a willingness on the side of uh, business owners to, to, to employ. Entrepreneurship, it's um, slightly different
0: but now in in, in that mm-hmm. that that willingness mm. from from you know a, a government point of view, mm. what can be done because I'm thinking about all the students that don't have power really to take on private sector and say we want to be employed employers mm. right and it that's has... where government comes in sure sure mm.
3: and government has got to like I said, look at things like labor laws okay what is it that employers are saying are making them averse to employing? Labor laws, uh, they just feel that, you know, once you employ somebody, you can't get rid of somebody who is not productive. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're sort of stuck. That's why there's such a big boom in, in labor broking. So that the employers don't take on that risk. Uh, cause it's a cost to them. They'd rather go through a broker. The person never becomes, um, permanently a permanent, employed. Uh, okay. Exactly. So they, 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 they shift that risk. Um, and, 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 and government has got to address that. Mm-hmm. And I'm at, by no means am I saying that we need to relax labor laws to a point where, um, employers just exploit, uh, employees, workers mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Definitely we've got to protect workers and their rights, um, and their, 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 their rights to um, to other services, sure. such as uh, medical aid, pension funds, good working conditions, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, 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 we need to sort of segment the arguments and the discussion, and say what, in terms of workers' rights, are we protecting and not willing to settle on or yeah, give up?
0: Sure.
3: Once we can say these are th- these are the basket of goods or services or Um, things that, that must accrue to workers, we can then go into what are the employer's concerns. Mm. And I think if, if we, we, we sort of strike a middle ground, employers will, um, will want to employ. Sure. Um, big, that's, and that's really in terms of like bigger companies that have the employment capacity and that sort of thing. And government has got to look at those, those labor laws. We do.
0: Interesting. We, I, I think we, we can, we can leave it to you to, to take it up with them. And then, um, definitely we, we can do a follow up on this to say, what is, what is the progress? What, what are we looking at? Mm. You know, how can the youth as well get engaged in, um, helping to find solutions to such a big problem? What one another, like another aspect, um, or topic I, I wanted us to, to touch on was, how a lot of entrepreneurship hubs are mm. situated in city centers mm. and just in, in, in overall, um, what progressive. Places where if you think about the community and the market that they're mm-hmm. trying to serve, mm-hmm. that's a market that already has access to resources. Mm-hmm. But when you go to townships and where it matters most, mm-hmm. there aren't um, any of, of, of those uh, hubs and, mm-hmm. and resources. So what's, what's, what's the plan there?
3: Okay. So the current uh, provincial government here in Gauteng has, um, has engaged in a Policy position and direction that says uh, we need to revitalize townships. Sure. Um, so not South Africa. Let me say Gauteng is made up of probably equal amounts of townships as equal amounts of suburbs. Okay. So that's the the apartheid spatial planning. And I sure. think what happened was probably post 1994 there wasn't a lot of focus given to townships because. Um, the argument was always that we don't want to replicate the, uh, the apartheid spatial planning. But the reality is that many people in our townships, um, want to live there. They want to remain living there. It's where they've lived. It's, uh, um, they want services to be there. Sure. Um, you know, if we can tar their roads, give them water, give them, electricity bring services closer to them they're more more than likely not going to leave Mm. and live in a suburb Mm. uh Mm. you know it takes Mm. away there's that community element that you have in a township that you don't have in a suburb and um that's what our people enjoy so the the past four years well, well let me say three years there's been a concerted effort to 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 revitalize townships um so a lot of um on enterprise development has gone into townships it's worked um in some instances in some cases it hasn't um
0: are you involving the youth from the townships definitely okay. yes
3: so 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 that's it and i think that's where the the balance or the delicateness in the in 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 what you try to do as government comes in um so for instance i know in the east end we have a jewelry manufacturing okay and that includes um, people like youth from the township. Sure. And that has worked quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in other areas, you would have had a type of township industry that hasn't worked well because that's not what young people are looking to do. Mm-hmm. So that's the type of trial and error sort of thing that that's, we have that's to, currently going yeah, on. that government has to engage on, okay. unfortunately. Um, so you'll have. Areas that work Areas that don't Areas that take
0: off And it's, it's Trying to find that balance exactly. Between the two And okay. what
3: works What works in uh, Tempisa May not, may work, not work in, in. Soshanguve. Sure, sure And Really trying to find, you know, what exactly works here.
0: Okay, we're, we're going to take a, a quick break. I okay. want to bring somebody on uh, to the show, and then we'll, we'll continue the conversation. Okay. Um, she is no stranger to the show. Um, she is a fabulous and wonderful humanitarian, um, person, and who's, da- who's doing really, really, really incredible work, um, worldwide. And if I am not wrong, she's currently in Cape Town, I engaged in a very important. Program um, at uh, Robin Island. If you're wondering who I'm talking about, I'm I'm talking about uh, Catherine Constantinides. Um, Catherine, hello, welcome to the show. Thank you so
1: much. It's
0: great to chat to you. Thank you so much for taking the time out. I know how incredibly busy you are, um, and <laughs> we practically hijacked you <laughs> so thank you so much for, for, for taking the time out um, no problem so, so um, what's, what's currently going on at uh, Robben Island uh, as we speak
1: well as we speak I'm standing outside of Takah's prison um, and we're, we're going through I'm here with the British High Commission and today we decided to spend the day together with 60 children from to Philippi, Langa, children that have never had the opportunity and probably will never come to Robben Island On an important day, ahead of the Centenary and Mandela 100, before Mandela Day, our service is to really share a special experience with these children by not only teaching them about the history, but teaching them about the history in the place of history. And alongside doing that and spending the day on Robin Island, we've also been engaged in a cleanup of this island. And I must sadly, sadly say that the, the condition of the island outside of where prison cells are, you know, just sort of on the periphery where people don't necessarily go, is mm-hmm. really, really shocking. There are layers and layers of waste and litter. Sheesh. And it's important that we we take responsibility and we start to clean up. This is not only a historical site but a heritage site. Yes. And yes. today's really been, you know, I knew that there was a lot of litter and that's why the cleanup was was designated for this island. But my goodness, we have to, as South Africans, take pride in our, in our national heritage sites. Right? And
2: we've been teaching
1: mm-hmm. these children about the importance of them understanding that they t- have the responsibility of their own waste. We mm-hmm. often think that in and litter is somewhere because of something. But we're the human beings that are putting it there. So we have to reconsider the environment because the political prisoners who were on this, on this island and gave their lives for us did not want to see
0: the history and legacy being left mm. in a condition like this. Mm, mm, mm. Shucks, I I hope you know it's this is resonating with a lot of people and that with with a lot of our listeners um, currently listening to the show will take note of that and and, and and take action. And you you are giving. I'm off. Of mind you, you also giving a uh, talk on Wednesday, which happens to be coincidentally Mandela's birthday um, at the Power Summit. Um, would you kindly? Give us a brief about that.
1: Absolutely. So this coming Wednesday, as we celebrate Mandela Mandela Day, I will be, I'm very honored to be amongst one of a group of unbelievable South African women who have been dubbed um, powerful women of the country, who will spend the day really engaging on discussions as to how we move South Africa forward, what every person is doing in their own individual spaces, and how these trailblazers are really pioneering in the specific field. So I'll be amongst other people, to Peto, uh, to him, but a few, Software and there's many others. But I'm really excited and really honoured to be able to share my story and to be chosen amongst these women to share Mandela Day with other young women and other South Africans as we share our story. And mine specifically very really inspired by the great man himself and the man of the day, there and Taka I had the privilege of spending a great deal of time with, sure. but I know with that privilege comes a
0: great responsibility. Definitely. And you know, responsibility, you're showing a great deal of that. Um, I in, in everything that you're doing worldwide. And I think there's, there's a lot that the youth can learn from, from, from your an example. And I guess as, as part of your parting words, because you don't want to take uh, a lot of your time currently engaged in a very important work. Um, what kind of message would you like to send out to our listeners?
1: I think the message I'd like to leave with the listeners um, of the show is just that as we go into this week, where there's so many things happening, so many Mandela Day projects, so many initiatives around the country, and different people embarking on different things, I I hope that we will also spend a moment to reflect on the values that this great leader left us with, the values that resonate with us, and how we can, in each of our everyday um, journeys, actually take those values and implement them in the way that we live and let us live selflessly to lead in our, in our individual spaces. We don't have to have a title to lead. The heroes that we're waiting for rest within us, and it's really up to us to do something. We have the most beautiful country in the world, and we are the ones that are the custodians of that beauty, but it's what we do with it that matters most.
0: Wow. That is Ken, uh, Catherine Constantinides, um Catch you at a Power Summit on Wednesday. Currently engaged in a very important work. They are visiting uh, with 60 children at the Robin Island. Thank you so much uh, for joining us on the Youth Leadership Platform.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. And I hope to see you all out at the Power Summit um, on Wednesday. But- if you're not coming, I'm wishing you all an, an amazing Mandela Day week because there's a great deal of activity happening across the country. Sure,
0: sure. Thank you so much. Well, I'll be there, so um, we'll, we'll chat cool some more to there. see
1: you and catching up. Absolutely. Thank okay. you for
0: the opportunity. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. That was Catherine Constantinides. Now back to the studio uh, with Tasneem Motara, who serves um, as the member of parliament. Um, talking about Tumamina pretty much and, and, and what's in it for the youth of South Africa. So we've, we've covered a lot of base in in, in terms of free education, um, entrepreneurship, some of the key changes that need to come in where labor law is related to kind of accommodate and and, and bring down the tragic statistics of youth unemployment, um, currently sitting in around plus minus 40% in South Africa. What are some of the Key strategies Maybe we could Choose your top three Mm -hmm. uh, From the top of your head That are going to be Initiated In in, in, uh, Cyril's uh, Term Even If it's just This This um, What Proxy term Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Before (laughs) The official Voting happens That are going to be Of great benefit To the youth of South Africa
3: Uh, Well You You would know That he's on a drive To um, To Fundraise investment for okay. for some of the um, the work that needs to be done.
2: Sure.
3: So the, the work that needs to be done would range from infrastructure uh, building programs and that sort of thing. And like I said earlier, um, you know, if government is going to spend, there's got to be a return on investment. Sure. And I think that's what he is focusing on. So that that investment would have to look at big capital projects, okay. um, infrastructure that would – bring market linkages whether it's from uh, our neighbors or even across the borders that would make um that would that's that's one of the the things that he's driving the other um would be sort okay sort of a wholesale cleanup um and rationalization of state owned entities okay um which I think is important definitely but um notwithstanding the fact that um, it's got to be to the benefit of South Africans. Okay. Because you don't want to sort of um, give up a state owned entity that is going to just cause us new problems. Sure. Um, and probably the third um, would just, I think his rallying call around Tumamina is just about all South Africans sort of lending their hand and putting their shoulder to the wheel to assist or do whatever they can in their space. Um, to get South Africa going forward.
2: Wow. Okay. Um,
3: so that's whether you're in the corporate space, professional, um, NGO. Sure. Uh, it doesn't matter, but there's something that we can, each one of us, do that will contribute towards moving South Africa. Great. In the
0: I think your, your your story is inspiring. And I think a lot of young women listening to uh, the show right now uh, would love to hear, I guess, a, a parting message uh, from um, Tazneem uh, Mutara, uh, you know, overlooking mm-hmm. everything that uh, you've experienced. Just briefly.
3: Sure. Uh, for women specifically, sure. young ladies, sure. I think um, I just, we, we live in a, Wonderful country that mm-hmm. has um that has looked at women specifically uh, to be able to empower them and put them um a step ahead of of their peers and the opportunities are there um they are numerous and they they need for us to go forward and grab them sure um i think south africans for a, for a long time have been used to handouts. And have become sort of a a society that waits for things to be done for them. For them, okay. Instead of going out to do it for themselves. Um, And I just want to say that South Africans must let's use what we have to get what we want. And um, we, we can get it all.
0: Wow. Thank you so much uh, for joining us on the Youth Leadership Platform. For all of those listening, that was Tasmin Mutara and Catherine Constantinides uh, talking about the Power Summit that we have been invited to happening at the Lyric Theatre on Wednesday. Um, do catch the podcast on cliffcentral.com. This is cliffcentral.com.